Hey, this is Gary here. I'm writing a book. If you go to kickstarter.com forward slash souls of darkness, you can check it out and hopefully support me. Roars likes it. You can hear him here. Um, it is a parody of those worlds of power books based on Nintendo games written as if Dark Souls was a Nintendo game. Um, I really appreciate your support. It's not going to just be for Dark Souls fans. It will be fun and funny for all. Uh, again, that is www.duckfeed.tv forward slash souls of darkness. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro gaming podcast. Yes, and this week we are reading your responses to Zone of the Enders. And some responses to 999. Uh, because we announced that late and some people had some things to to say uh, mm-hmm. kind of after the wire. Yeah. So we're doing all of them. Yeah. So uh, after the Zone of the Ender stuff, uh, stick around for the 999 stuff. However, there will be spoilers there. Um, yes. Yeah. So if you yeah. have not played that or you, you are averse to spoilers, uh, don't stick around for that. And we will make it clear when that happens. Yeah. Um, so I'll go ahead and we'll get started with the Zone of the Ender stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Murph says via Facebook. My experience with Zone of the Enders, my manager at the time at Electronics Boutique, uh, very emphatically told me that he would be able to pilot an orbital rig in real life because either it's really simple or just like a flight sim. <laughs> Zone of the Enders brings out the weird. So it's either very simple or one of the most complicated games you could play. Yeah, well, it's because it's because that stupid idiot kid could do it. Yep. So that's why that's why he thought so. I mean, there's just so much. Uh, it's kid gloves, right? You have this AI helping everything. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Buh. Buh. Man, I just I had so many stories like that from working at a game store. Like just where somebody would say, like, this thing would be so easy or ugh. Why? Why 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 volunteer that information in the middle of like a, a normal day of speaking and being? Like just because you're looking for stuff to talk about I, and I eventually guess that's true. you know, yeah. like you 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 don't feel comfortable sharing stuff about your actual life because why would you? And there's only so much game you can talk about, so you have to use game into your supposition about your actual skills or prowess. Yeah. I, I think that this is where the what would you do in a zombie apocalypse conversation oh, happens sure. actually. I think yeah. I think that that starts at a cultural touchstone and extends into suppositions about your own personality and self. Yeah. They're, they're, like talking about things you'd be good at that are totally fictional mm-hmm. doesn't say anything good about you. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not going to go as far mm-hmm. as say it says anything bad, but if you're just like this totally fictional thing, I'd be awesome at it. <laughs> it doesn't I don't think it speaks well of you. Yeah. Um, we have no that con- boss, I guess. But. <laughs> yeah. we, we have that conversation at work, um, you know, it's about the zombie thing because people there like The Walking Dead, and you know, why wouldn't mm-hmm. you? Whatever. And my answer is very honest, which is I will be the person who goes nuts first, and you have to lock me in a shed and decide what to do with me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I think I would die pretty. Quick. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Um, I'm, I'm not going to lead a brave new civilization. Listen to me. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's me. I'm not a survivor. No, um, I mean, uh, I think that I, I, sometimes, I mean, like I, I was just about to do that thing where I, I, I describe things to myself about a fictional situation um, <laughs> in non-fictional situations. Like I can be resourceful. Mm-hmm. I'm just fat and slow. <laughs> so it's like I couldn't move quick enough to to enact the plans. I'd be like, oh, we could do. Th-, and then I would just be dead. I'm, I'm an incredibly anxious person. And so what I would probably do is find the closest stash of alcohol and then just mm-hmm. try and like drown everything else out. Yeah. So, like, yeah. like, yeah, no, I, I have no illusions. Why, why, at that point, why alcohol? Like, why not go straight to the antifreeze or go straight to the, like, 
morphine. Oh, because alcohol's fun. <laughs> morphine seems fun to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I'm sure it's just designed to just make you feel like heaven. Like I bet you it's great. Yeah, I suppose. That'd be a good situation to do that in. Huh. Um, Allison writes in via the contact form saying, um, I'm sure that this will be a popular response, but about the original Zone of the Enders just to get my hands on the Metal Gear Solid 2 demo. I spent countless hours with the demo and only put ZOE into my PS2 before trading it into GameStop. Fast forward 10 years to the Zone of the Enders HD collection. I purchased it just to get the demo for Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. I never even put Zone of the Enders into my 360. I am not very smart. Well, that's why you were able to mail it to me. Yeah. Allison. That's why I was able to play it. So you just yeah. got the demo and I got to, yeah. that doesn't mean you're not smart. It no. just means you like Metal Gear more than you like yeah. Zone of the Enders. Gary, Revengeance is so good. I really want to play it. I'm going to play it on PC, I think. Yep. No, yeah. that's how I'm playing it. Yeah. Um, I would, I would, I would really like to play it. Um, I'm too busy, like forcing my way through like or <laughs> WRPGs I don't like. I'm too busy trying to, play KOTOR 1 so I can play KOTOR 2 or Witcher 1 so I can play Witcher 2 and 3. So so huh. now so now now who's smart, Allison? Now who's not smart? Now who's smart? Yeah, like now who's now who's an idiot? Me. Um Adam says by contact. I love this game. I played it at launch on the PS2 and was excited about it and the demo of course. One thing that stands out to me is how the story parallels the story from the original Gundam series. A young boy falls into an experimental robot suit and ends up fighting a major battle after major battle. I like the way the game emphasizes that Leo is just a kid. It stands out to me where at the time we were playing big burly guys with guns that don't even flinch at the thought of taking someone's life. I'm not going to correct you, Adam. I feel like the big burly guys who don't flinch at taking life, that really happened like in the mid 2000s. Yeah. Like it stands out in contrast, but in the way that like Eastern shooters and Eastern contemplations on war stand out against Western contemplations on war. I mean, big guys who don't care about taking life has always been a thing. Yeah. We're, we're going to play Doom 2 pretty soon. <laughs> you know, like that, that is a thing. Um, I agree. Like if a very charitable read, I agree with Adam in that it, you could argue that this is not like most other video games at the time. Mm -hmm. But I still think that as a story, it failed. Like, I still think like, yes, it's cool that it's a kid. He's also a really terrible character. Yeah. Like, yes, it's cool. He's not violent. But no, they didn't replace that with any kind of nuance or anything. Yeah. So I can see that, like, I can see that being interesting without them actually, you know, they they didn't provide something that's trite, mm -hmm. but didn't give you something cool instead of it. It would have been great if he was an actual psychopath like a kid would be. That's like, a really cool story. Like, turn it like, into toys, right? Or turn it into <laughs> toys. Um, or yeah. turn it into, uh, like, The Last Starfighter, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Or Ender's Game. Like there, are, like, there are any number of things, contemplations on this idea of kids and war that have done it much more successfully. Like, what has this kid done in his real life that made this not like that for him? Mm -hmm. You know, like, he, you just gave this, like, idiot kid it's like, it, it, he's simultaneously mature and immature. Mm -hmm. Like he's mature, but not complex. Mm -hmm. he, he's like, he's like a, an, uh, an embodiment of a Buddhist ideal or something like that. <laughs> you know, or the, this one little do not kill thing. Whereas like, you know, power and what that does is an interesting story mm -hmm. that this game has no interest in telling, you know, and like childhood development as you know, power when children get power. Like, um, I I watched the the you know Throne of Bones 
Uh, Winter Always Pays Its Debts, the HBO, <laughs> the HBO original series about based on the books by Martin, by George Railroad Martin. Yeah, yeah, George Railroad Martin. Um, I watched that that whole series, um, and like they do really interesting things with like kids are can be monsters if they have power. Yeah, and like that that series like does really interesting things with that. Yeah, any and kid this, with authority will abuse that authority. Totally. Like, like you talked about uh, toys. Uh-huh. There's also the movie The Toy. Where, like, uh, <laughs> oh, my like, God. Every time you talk about this, I have forgotten that it exists. <laughs> <laughs> where that kid is a little selfish monster and gets his dad to buy him a black man. Because that's what kids are like. They're not just, I don't want to murder and that's my only, I'm a single issue voter. <laughs> like, that's what kids are. And that would have been a cool story. Yeah. The game has no interest in telling. Um <laughs> Uh, David says via the contact forum, despite its many flaws, I love this game. As a big Armored Core fan, I enjoyed the unchained experience this game gave. Uh, Being able to zip around and blow crap up in the cockpit of a giant mech without managing dozens of parts was a nice change of pace. I so wish you had picked the second runner, though, uh, as it's just a better game in all aspects. Also, it has a multiplayer fighting game mode uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, th- I think that Zone of the Enders 1 has a multiplayer fighting game. I remember... Yeah, it does. I remember playing it with a kid I was babysitting at the time. Yes, as a young teenager, I babysat kids during the summer. <laughs> which <laughs> which meant they came over to my place, I made sure they didn't huff chemicals from under the sink, and I fed them pizza rolls. <laughs> so that, that, that whole screed is very defensive sounding. <laughs> nope. Like you had, a, you had a response in mind that <laughs> no, I no. or listeners is going to have. Nope. Um, I didn't intend it that way. It was meant to be funny. It was like, yeah. that was the way that I earned money. Yes, I fondled my sweaters. <laughs> God damn it, I just watched that. Yes, sometimes I smear mud on my butt. Sweater. Fondue with cheddar. Uh, yeah. you, you were so right about uh, Michael uh, Showalter. Oh, yeah. It's ups- it's it's kind of off. <laughs> I, I, so I, I woke up at about like 7 a.m. this morning. I was like, I want to watch Wet Hot, Wet Hot American Summer. So I watched the movie, as you do. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the I watched the series. And like, I, I, it's it's kind of hard to get past as, yeah. a, as, as, a, as, a, uh, as a hefty gentleman myself. It's like, oh, that's what time does. It is. Uh, but I love what they do with it, though. Okay. Like it, like just like I don't know how much of it you watch. I just the first episode. Okay. Yeah. Keep watching. Okay. Like they, they, they do funny stuff with it. Mm-hmm. Um, with him and the way his body has changed. Um, other than just the funny thing that like, this is him nine months younger than he was 10 years ago. Yep. He was already 10 years too old for the part. Yep. Um, but yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I, it's funny that you bring up armored core because I really want to get into armored core, obviously me too. Uh, due to from, and everything you're saying about it makes me want, think I'm going to like it more. Like I want to fiddle around with these bits. Um, just because it's something to do. Uh, like <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I like, I like, I mean, I like a technical game Mm -hmm. and from software, even their shitty games, like even Eternal Ring and stuff aren't simple, Mm -hmm. you know, like they're, they're, they're less well-regarded games are not elementary, Mm -hmm. which is what, what I feel like this is. Yeah. Um, Jason says via contact. Hi guys. When I heard you were playing, Hey Jason, (laughs) Um, when I heard you were playing Zone of the Enders, the first thought that came to my, my mind is, is it going to be enough to fill an episode? Nope. Um, and I wondered if you'd add the sequel at the last minute because boy, is this game barely finished. I didn't play Zone of the Enders when it was originally released. So by the time I got around to checking it out in 2009, any disappointment I might have had uh, felt in buying it for the Metal Gear Solid 2 demo was long gone. And I kind of liked the thing with a few reservations. The combat mechanics work okay for the short game uh, that they're in. 
and it's a technical marvel with great UI and sound design. Yoji uh, Shinkawa's robot designs are great. Insert joke about dicks here. With um, abandon. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just kind of a bummer that the game never really gets a chance to go anywhere or do anything. And the world it sets up is entirely built out of tropes and story elements shamelessly ripped off from other robot cartoons. The sequel fixes this to some degree and kind of breaks its own incredibly simple mechanics in the process, but it had a tiny print run. I don't think anybody really played it here. I'm not going to make any, the make the claim that it salvages the series, but it does twist the crazy shit dial high enough to justify its giant robot centric premise. And it has a fight against a giant Vic the Viper from Gradius. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I like crazy shit. Like yeah. I will go in for something that is aesthetically pleasing over something that is mechanically pleasing as a junk food dalliance, right? Yeah. I just need one or the other, I guess. Yeah, I suppose. Like I can't I can't not have either. Yep. Which has been, you know, and it, it's weird because like I we we had that Freaky Friday where we need a break fence from Musashi episode where like i was into the charm and writing about it and like for the last like several games like what i've been mad about is the writing it hasn't been the mechanics so i don't know if i got freaky friday at some point uh, or i'm just getting older i got shadow out of time or something like that but like the the writing is what that has been like my number one issue with games right now mm-hmm. is like you want me to care about this character and i don't you know fail like that that is the one thing like that is my my one single issue right now yeah so we'll see if that continues or if that changes mm-hmm. i can see that a gamer should evolve <laughs> um, <laughs> what what's that why'd you why'd you turn into arthur geese because <laughs> because uh, because uh, as a gamer i feel like uh you know there are certain kinds of ways you should be because <laughs> i just referred to myself as a gamer and that's, oh it's, okay yeah there something we go. good okay womp, womp. so the, that's the voice yeah hmm um, Holland writes in via the contact forum saying, I was lucky enough to rent Zone of the Enders the day that it came out. As I returned home to play it, uh, I found out that our apartment complex had caught on fire. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's Yeesh. Goal. Um, uh, returned home to find that my uh, apartment complex had caught on fire um, and had to spend a week on my aunt's houseboat. This is great. Fortunately, my aunt had a nice TV. Unfortunately, the constant in-game spinning mixed with the rocking of the houseboat meant frequent barf breaks. (laughs) This is the best story. (laughs) I still enjoyed Zone of the Enders for two of the five rental days and the Metal Gear Solid 2 demo for the remaining three. The two things I took from the game were, number one, at the time, it showed off the power of the PS2. The MGS2 demo speaks for itself, and I remember watching the idle light animation on Jehuti in awe. As someone who could only afford one system, it gave me confidence in my choice um, and made me excited for the future of the PS2. Number two, Zone of the Enders uh, uh, introduced me to Ender's Game uh, by way of a sidebar blurb in a magazine preview. Orson Scott Card is still a wet turd of a human being, uh, but that book was pivotal to a sheltered 17-year-old who was still trying to figure out life and self-identity and all the things that uh, attempt to drown us as we get older. Yeah. Yep. Well said. Yeah. Good good story, good points. Yeah. The, oh my uh, gosh, playing this on a houseboat. This reminds like yeah. when when I played Metal Gear uh, or sorry, uh, Mega Man X in a mm-hmm. uh, in a moving RV. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. The um the, uh, the the thing about not knowing about Orson Scott Card, like there's that ignorance mm-hmm. of certain things where it is kind of like awesome where you can like like it's like how I wish I had played The Vanishing of Ethan Carter mm-hmm. before I knew who the guy was. Yeah, and now I don't want to give him money, but it, I would like. I think I would like that game. It's the same way with Ender's Game. Like, I won't read those because I don't want money to end up in that guy's pockets. Mm-hmm. 
But if I was ignorant, I would have been fine with it. You know, would you would you feel OK, like taking that from a library? Um, like I, I would probably rather not. I don't want to, like, get into it <laughs> yeah. you know, at this point. Like, I have enough things to get into. Yeah. Um, I, I've never read Ender's Game. Like, I'm going to be honest here. Like, that is a weird nerd blind spot for me. I know it's a foundational text for a lot of kids, which makes him more unfortunate that his kind of social politics are tied up with that. Yeah, I, I've never read either. As I mentioned, like, I always choose a dragon over a spaceship. <laughs> so, like, it was not my thing when I was in school. Mm. Um, but the, uh, yeah, like, there is that kind of, like, once you know, once the genie's out of the bottle and you know that somebody is shitty. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, too, is, like, you know, damn right you made the right choice of the PS2. Like, the PS2 mm-hmm. is a great system. Yeah, it's great. One There's of my so favorites. many good things on that. Like, yeah, that was, that was a wonderful, like, span of five years where I had a PS2 and a Game Boy Advance. Yeah, that's those are good. Oh, my gosh. Good systems. Like, I still think, like, you know, uh, eventually the Xbox 360 surpassed it. But for a long time, my uh, my Game Boy Advance and PlayStation 2 library was just the biggest by far. Hmm. Yeah, I, st- I still I still have more PS2 games, I think, of fondly than Xbox 360 games. Mm-hmm. But that's because I also supplemented. Well, yeah, there's PC, it was like, yeah. Yeah, it was PC with PS2. <laughs> yeah. Not, uh, you know. Um, but yeah, PS2 is great. Mm-hmm. The um, So Brian says, by contact. <clears throat> I'm probably one of the few who didn't play this game for the Metal Gear Solid 2 demo due to the fact that at the time I had no interest in the series. In fact, I didn't even buy it, but rented it from the local movie store. Remember those? Mm-hmm. Um, I had been looking for something to entertain myself for a few days and thought it seemed interesting enough to warrant my $5. I was immediately intrigued by the opening cinematic and how dramatic it was, with this colony in space being brutally attacked and the protagonist's friends being crushed to death. From there, I was expecting a typical revenge story to play out, but found Leo's unwavering stance not to kill a refreshing <laughs> change uh, from how most games at the time seemed to be, even though I found myself siding with Ada most of the time. Her eventual gaining of humanity was a bit cheesy at first for my taste, but I'd be lying if I said the ending didn't break my heart a little. Mm. As far as the gameplay goes, I found piloting Jehudi to be both fun and satisfying. Even though combat got a bit repetitive, like most hack and slashers, having the full range of 3D movement made up for it when I wasn't hindered by the tight environments. The short length also helped. I easily beat it in the three days I had it, uh, though I was left wanting more with the seemingly abrupt ending. But luckily, the second runner made more than made up for it. In the end, I have to say this about a beloved classic of mine that I love to revisit from time to time, though not in time for this episode. <laughs> so sorry if my muddled memory made me say a few inaccurate things. Yeah, the uh, it's interesting because people keep talking about renting this game. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be a great rental. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it is like I like that you. I like how short this game is. Yeah, you know, like I like that. And if I was renting games, and you know, this is perfect, like the perfect length for that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like, I would be lying if I said it wasn't great to have something this short and, and insubstantial for the show. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like we kind of have a stock of these for, for, for our purposes. Right. And as we get further and further into this being our video game playing life, like, mm-hmm. like, like this becomes a virtue, how slight this is. Yeah. Yeah. Games like this are, are kind of rare and I, I can dig that about it. I just wish it was short <laughs> and like great Yeah, because so, those things do exist, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are games that like, this is a four hour game and it's great. Mm-hmm. There's a whole podcast about them called the short game. I like it yeah, a lot. You should listen to it. Our friend, Reagan. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, it is, and that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. So those things exist. They keep, they're not always this asinine mm-hmm. while simultaneously being short. Yeah. Long doesn't equal good and short doesn't equal good. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the uh, on to some nine nine nine. Yeah, uh, responses. Mm-hmm. Um, um, do we do we have any admin stuff we want to get out of the way uh, for people who are just listening for Zone of the Enders things? 
Oh, um, no, I mean, you know, we did, uh, we talked about, um, some stuff up at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, uh, if you have things to say about Super Mario or Paper Mario, rather, mm-hmm. hit us up at duckfeed.tv forward slash contact. Yep. And then, um, you know, patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv. Check out our new rewards. Check out our Slack channel. It is a very good time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's uh, sound the spoiler hoin and uh, mm-hmm. get in here for 999. Indeed. Cool. So I'm going to begin with some follow-up from Trent, who writes in via the uh, the contact forum about digital roots. We questioned this in the episode, and there were a couple of people who wrote in some similar things, but uh, Trent's got into the system. He says, I'm a bit of a math nerd, so I thought I'd chime in on the digital root. The first interesting tidbit uh, is that any number whose digital root is 9 is a multiple of 9. The second and more useful tidbit is that the digital root can be used to double-check simple additions, products, or differences. When two numbers are added, subtracted, or multiplied, the result will have the same digital root as the value you obtain if you take the digital root of both numbers and then perform the operation, that same operation. For instance, 201 plus 104 equals 305. The digital root of 305 is 8. The digital root of 201 is 3, and the digital root of 104 is 5. 3 plus 5 equals 8. This is nifty for people like myself who suck at arithmetic because you can check mental math. Hmm. That is really cool. Thank you so much. Like, you yeah. have knowledge of this thing that we bullshit about. That That is that is neat. It also seems like if, unless you can start doing it automatically, it does seem a little clunky. Mm-hmm. But it's weird because, like, math is math is weird for me where, like, that kind of quick mental math is what I'm good at, mm-hmm. and then I'm bad at complicated math. Yeah, and and higher level math. I'm the opposite. So like it would, ne- it would never occur to me to check that math. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel confident about that stuff, but then the higher level stuff I get lost at. Yeah. So. Um, I'm 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 a mean at uh, calculating tips. Oh yeah. And and it's a dumb thing I take pride in. Like I shouldn't. I've but liked, I can just be like, I know how I I know what seven percent of this is, um, you know. And, I've, and, I've, I've like I figured out the heuristic because I only ever tip twenty percent. Mm, yeah. So it's like okay, that's cool. Move the point and then multiply by two. That's fine. I suck at it. I suck at basic arithmetic, but like I can get my head around like differentials and stuff like that. Yeah, we're we're, we're we'll let's form a, a math team. I know, let's right? Join up in a math a math frame <laughs> with our powers combined. Yeah, like I'll be the math frame that urges uh, the power of math, <laughs> and then we can have an, an AI that also does. <laughs> um, so on to uh, spoiler responses. Tim says via Facebook, Phoenix Wright was the game series that introduced me to visual novels, and Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors is the one that got me addicted. The uh, one of the main things I love about this game is that as you play through the game, it throws one crazy scientific idea at you after another, trying to disguise what the game is really about. Alternate realities, face blindness, Schrodinger's cat, morphogenic morphogenic fields. Uh, this game is an obscure medical disorder slash pseudoscience buffs wet dream. Yeah. Finally, yeah, <laughs> uh, finally, the fact that the game has a logical reason why there are multiple endings is kind of amazing. I kind of feel bad that there are nine dead jumpies littering the multiverse. <laughs> I really would have liked to have seen that. I like that more. Um, well, that's Chrono Cross, Gary. Yeah, I know. Like, uh, but I mean, I like that that trope. Um, the uh, my only real complaint is the final puzzle, uh, Sudoku, really. Um, and I'm sure they could have thought of something better. Hope you guys talk about um, 
Talk about the watch you could get if you pre-ordered this from GameStop. Missing out on that was one of my biggest gaming regrets. We did, and I did, and it is. Um, (laughs) uh, Since Cole is a big fan of these types of games, I suggest the Infinity series if you can find them. It consists of five games, and a lot of people that worked on them moved on to 999 after the company went defunct. I also suggest Chaos Head and Steins Gate. They have a similar tone to 999, but they're way longer. Fate slash Stay Night is good, but I would advise against it if you don't care for erotic content in your games. I was tricked into playing it along with <laughs> was tricked into playing it along with something called uh, Katawa Shoujo. Uh, don't play Katawa Shoujo <laughs> by a friend in college, not knowing about its graphic content. The story is still really good, so I'd at least check out the current anime adaptation on Crunchyroll, or better yet, the prequel series uh, Fate Slash Zero. It really takes a dump on your standard uh, anime tropes. It's so good. Oh, and the SNES had a visual novel with RPG bits thrown in called Radical Dreamers that is tied into Chrono Cross and is pretty good if you can find an English ROM. Yeah, Radical Dreamers is fucking great. Yeah, I've, I've never played it because I'm not as big a Chrono guy, but I'm familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I'm, I, that, that is one of those things like Sweet Home and Clock Tower that I'm super happy like fan translation communities exist. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the, like the, this is something that's going to be kind of a theme across these uh, responses. Like, yeah, visual novels. Like, it, it would be great if there was a way to surface all the good ones that are not Eroje, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's good to hear about the Infinity Games. I've played a little bit of Ever 17, but not enough to really get into it. And I know that it shares a lot of DNA with uh, with Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors. I have Steins Gate pre-ordered just because the uh, essay thread on visual novels talks so highly of it from people who are mm-hmm. in uh, like Europe is where it's at right now. Um, but yeah, like there, there's just such a conflicting opinion about which ones of these are worth playing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find that as well. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not gonna spend this entire episode <laughs> rehashing complaints about nine, 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 but like mm-hmm. there is a, a, there's not a consensus. Like this was something that everyone said was worth playing to me. <laughs> and I didn't think so. Yeah. However, like I believe that there's, you know, it just, it goes down to like this being a genre that there isn't an established canon for maybe mm-hmm. like, it's not like platformers, yeah. like 2d platformers. There is a canon, you know, nobody like says, ah, super Mario world is pretty shitty. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody who likes 2d platformers likes that game. Yeah. You know, and even the ones that were in our poll for that kind of have different things to recommend them, uh, different things that make them not visual novels, as we found out from people who yeah. were very uh, adamant about correcting us that Ghost Trick is not a visual novel. <laughs> I, like, I like Ghost Trick, though. Me too. It's so good. Like, I, like I would have been so happy playing Ghost Trick. <laughs> um, I mean, that was a good episode we got out of it. Yeah. I don't, I don't hold 999 against it, me anymore. So, <laughs> uh, so Davy says, 999 was my introduction to visual novels. At first, I was struck by how enjoyable Uchikoshi's narrative voice was, but as I continued, I began to recognize that I also enjoy this medium of storytelling much more than traditional novels. I can take or leave the room escape puzzles, but the additions of art, music, and sound design appealed to me a great deal, and I was immediately sucked down the visual novel hole. Please, don't Google that, he says. <laughs> or she, I don't know. Uh, the drawback uh, is that it takes a good deal of research to find good, non-porny visual novels. Uh, I went through some of Uchigoshi's previous works, I specifically recommend Remember Eleven, and I found a few good hits in other places. But while novels like Steins Gates and The War and Peace dwarfing Umeneko uh, kept me engaged, I wasn't. Uh, it wasn't long before I started running out of options that were both of quality and not intended to endure to induce weeb boners 
<laughs> um, to top off that suck salad, uh, I can't just ask people, hey, do you know any good visual novels without at least one friend suggesting a title that implies dozens of armchair masturbating hours? Ugh. At least one guy told me about To the Moon, which is great. That's my own. Yeah, To the Moon's very good. Yeah, it's really good. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> that that is a game that made me cry. I played that on the same weekend as Dear Esther, Gary. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I to, to the moon. I like to the moon a lot. Yep. Uh, Davy continues. Um, I guess I don't have a conclusion here. I just really like visual novels and hate that the market is the way that it is. My understanding is that for a long time, every visual novel author was forced to include hentai content as a way of maximizing sales. PC gaming was an otaku centric hobby in Japan, so they wanted to cater to their install base. Although he never did an H game, you can actually find uh, kind of see this happen uh, throughout the course of Uchigoshi's work, transitioning from romance-based story routes to narrator-based routes, and finally to grimdark quantum death game setting of, uh, of Zero Escape. Also worth noting uh, that uh, not doing H games landed him in two shuttering companies in his time. Wow. Um, there's a couple of translation teams that pick up good stuff and create patches that remove the gross, creepy shit, but what the fuck, man? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, it, it's funny because it, it is, uh, as, as not, I mean, I, I respect everyone who's writing in and I respect you, Cole's appreciation <laughs> for this genre. Uh-huh. Based on my limited experience, it sounds like the worst fucking thing in the world. Like, <laughs> yep. from the outside, it for me, it is 999, which, like, I had a lot of problems with, mm-hmm. and then just tons of porn. <laughs> and it's it sounds fucking disgusting and stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, like, it's I respect fraud. that like, it's not. Like, people I know who... that it's not, but man... <laughs> Like, does it sound unappealing? It's super weird because the people over here who got the commercially acceptable American releases of these that Nintendo would put on the DS or whatever, like, we got a taste for it, right? Like, even if, you know, 999 had its problems, Virtue's Last Reward kind of kind of redeemed that to an extent, or, you know, Phoenix Wright, which is not, you know, porny. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, like, like all of that. We get those over here, and that's all the market filters to us. And as, and as people who like these try and look for them in the crazy Wild West of these PC visual novel kind of things. Like it sucks. It fucking sucks. It is a limitation that is just kind of like, okay, it makes you think there's just a market of all these people who I cannot connect with. Do you think at <laughs> who, some point who are dominating and steering yeah. this away from me? It sucks. At some point, do you think people uh, give up and turn to like getting boners from it? Like they just oh. like the genre so much that they're just like, well, <laughs> I'm going to start, you know, just like, I don't care if this is like 30% sex scenes. I'm still going to play it for the stuff I like. Oh, they go hollow. And then eventually just, yeah, they just go hollow and just start <laughs> beating it off to anime fuck girls. I don't know. Like, I, ha- like I haven't. And like, yeah. I've, I've played the majority of the ones that are like commercially available over here. So I don't know if like I have the antibodies or what, but like it, 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 it it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it sounds fucking gross. Yeah. Like it, it just is like, I under, understand they're not like, a, and there are like porn games of like, there are like doom wads that are porny. Like yeah. people will slip porn into anything. Yeah. But like this just being a genre that you just have to watch out for. <laughs> like so <laughs> from the outside as somebody who has no stake in it, it's pretty mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, also from the previous response, uh, uh, Katawa Sojo, that is the, uh, the, 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 the um, visual novel we sometimes joke about that uh, it is a dating novel it is a dating sim visual novel about uh, a school for disabled girls. Oh, great. Yep. <laughs> Super sen- thumbs up guys, everybody. Yeah, thumbs up. Thumbs up. You know what? You know what visual novel I do like? 
uh, had a full boyfriend. Oh, it's great. Yeah, that, I think that's really charming and great and uh-huh. funny. So that, that's good. <laughs> One of is. us. Google, gobble, Google, <laughs> gobble. <laughs> like, what am I doing? I'm touching my dick. Why? Gary, <laughs> uh, <laughs> stop edging. Must stop edging. Must, <laughs> must play Baldur's Gate. Um, so, like, uh, furiously edging. The, um, <laughs> furiously. <laughs> I'm just imagining a t-shirt that has gothic font that says furiously edging. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Duncan says via contact. Uh, this was a game that when I heard you guys were playing it, I was really excited to play through it again for a brief moment. And then after thinking about the game, I remembered skipping through the dialogue a lot and then went to go and do something else. I still really enjoyed it, and Virtue's Last Reward, I feel like, is a great successor, and I'm even more excited for the third game coming up. I remember the first time around I got the axe ending, and I wanted to see all the other branches and how they played out, because I was really into the idea that different characters can make it through uh, the game depending on your decisions at certain branches. I was kind of hoping that Danganronpa would do something similar. I also used a a fac my way through the puzzles, uh, but for this one, after realizing that there wasn't really a time limit, I wanted to go through it with just my wits, and I was mostly successful. Seven was probably my favorite character in the whole ordeal. I didn't like how sexualized Lotus or Alice was in the second game. It would have been cooler for an old lady slash granny hacker to be running around with the group instead of some naked belly dancer. I feel like uh, I was the type of person this game was made for because I played it back when I was was really dense, so the game constantly hammering digital roots and the like into me really helped me realize, hey, this stuff might be important. Yeah. I don't, like, like th- there's another side of our complaint about it re- repeating stuff all the time, which is, oh, this introduced it and then just let it hang. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I, I like just if, if it was very cavalier in the stuff that it kind of made sure was important to the like the like the progress of the story, I could see it going too far in the other like in that other direction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the one person who earlier said that they like that, it lets that stuff hang mm-hmm. like it is supposed to be kind of like a red herring, I guess. But yeah. It you know that that didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Duncan. Thank you. Uh, Justin writes in via the contact form saying, "I've actually been wanting to write in and sing some of your praises for a while." And he did. Um, I'm sorry, everybody, if we leave off your kind of praises. People say very nice things about us in the comments here, um, and I leave those out just because it is untoward to include them. But because uh, we're not into the virtual novel. Masturbation fuckhole. Yeah. Like, <laughs> listen, we save our masturbation for virtual novels. Visual novels. We don't masturbate on the air about, yeah. about your goodwill towards us. Yeah. But, we, but, only, uh, we only masturbate to, to schools for disabled girls learning about lesbianism. <laughs> That's what we masturbate to. We have standards. We're not monsters. So yeah. So J- J- Justin uh, had this way of saying, you know, longtime listener, uh, first time writer, and enjoyed us. Thank you, Justin. Um, but what pushed me into actually doing so today, writing into us, uh, was after listening to the Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors episode this morning, I felt like more fireballing, um, and I decided to download uh, some way uh, so, some of the back uh, catalog way back, as in Mega Man X. The first thing I noticed was the excellent editing out of Cole's helium balloon whippets. Um, uh, but the other thing that stuck out, uh, and I wanted to point out, uh, there was one other thing that stuck out was that Gary makes an ice nine reference in your very first episode when describing the way defeating chill penguin affects fire mammoths level. So nine, nine, nine brings your show around full circle. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I can't account for the fact that my voice has gotten more gruff aside from uh, different microphones. I've drank more and I've put on some weight. I think it, I think a lot of it was microphones. Like yeah. when in those early episodes, a lot of people will call me out for my microphone quality. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I say call out, like it doesn't yeah. like we, we did what we had. We, we, we got a port. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. But like my microphone was definitely shittier than yours, but you your equipment has improved a lot too. Mm-hmm. Like we both kind of sound bad for, for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, there but mm-hmm. luckily uh, we don't need more no hopefully good. does it ever like does that ever like every once in a while just because we don't treat this as a disposable thing like mm-hmm. the world does it <laughs> is tempting where it's like man i wish there were good sounding versions of those podcasts <laughs> me too but there but that, aren't but that's crazy <laughs> yeah. and like that would be you know like like we recreate it word for word and inflection for inflection <laughs> um yeah. no we have to we just have to be fine with those being out there yeah yeah it's hard um, yeah, thanks, Justin. And thank you for the kind words. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard says, by conduct. So I'm definitely in the Cole camp when it comes to loving 999. And as with Cole, I mostly love it because of how good Virtue's last reward is. <laughs> but I'm also with Gary about the writing being unacceptable. It's so repetitive and just full of unnecessary detail. It was the first thing that really stood out to me about the game. And even now, I'm not sure who's to blame for it. I have a suspicion that the shit pros of 999 could be chalked up to a translator who wasn't confident enough or was too slavishly devoted to the original Japanese text. Or maybe the original script sucked too. Anyway, maybe my favorite thing about 999 is that its story just has to be told in the format of a game. It just doesn't work as anything else. The same way Mulholland Drive doesn't work as a book, the same way House of Leaves doesn't work as a movie. Oh, you're talking my language, Richard. <laughs> oh, gosh, you're loving this, aren't you, Cole? <laughs> um, I'm not sure the exact quote, but I believe Gary said something about a good idea and bad writing not, uh, not being able to carry a novel. And while I agree, I'm also reminded that Dan Brown has a successful career. You're not talking my language, Richard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, and I'll, I'll remind you, Richard, that uh, success and artistic success are two very different things. Um, yeah, I don't... Uh, the medium thing is interesting. I, I had a discussion, it may have been with Richard um, on Facebook about that, um, because I think that having to play through the game multiple times mostly is tedious. Like, you get that twist that you are keeping information between playthroughs, which I think is cool. You just pay a lot for that twist. Yep. And I don't know that it's worth it in the end. So I think it, it was him or, or someone else who was talking about how like this could only be done through a game. You couldn't do this through a novel and say like, have the novel be like, you start up on the ship and you're like, what's going on? I still kind of remember this, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't know that the actual play part of it, doing it in a game is necessary for that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that kind of like starting over with your same memories you could do in a narrative function, you know? It just makes me think like, we need to do an episode, like um, maybe if there's enough time between the release of Dark Souls 3, we need to do an episode about the uh, both the book and the movie of Edge of Tomorrow. Oh yeah. Because that seems to be the closest version of that. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 it, and it did it, right? Yep. Like it was doable in that other format. It didn't have to be a game. Like, I still don't, like I'm, I feel like I'm very in touch with things that have to be a game. Uh-huh. Like I, I think about what a game brings something, and when I play a game, I think, why is this a game rather than a book or a movie or, or a novel or you know mm-hmm. a TV show? Like that's something I'm very keyed into, and like yeah. we and talk about it a lot in in episodes, no, you're, right? You're, you're you're not afraid to like jump out and say like this, you know, this needs to be a game. Like this being this trying to be a movie is not benefiting anybody. Well, and, 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 and in a positive sense too, like we, you know, we talked about, um, we talked about the walking dead during mm-hmm. extra episode stuff. Like there are parts where that has to be a game, like mm-hmm. the part, you know, spoilers for the walking dead. It's a very old game. Um, you should have played it, I guess. Um, but the part where at the end where you're like strangling the guy mm-hmm. that has to be a game. Yep. 
you know, where the prompts go away and you keep doing it because you feel something that the game has given you and you still act, that has to be a game. Yep. Right? I'm I'm very aware of what things have to be a game. Mm-hmm. I don't, I still don't see that for this game. I don't feel like it benefits from the medium very much. Or at least not as much, you know, to pay for what it what it costs, I guess. Yeah. I mean, like, I see it just like, I, I see why this benefits from being a game. I don't know why it has to be a game like you know i think that you can present this in a linear way um i think that the fact that it is a game and the fact that you know like after a piece of text has gone in front of you and after it falls off the log it's gone and you have to pay attention and the fact that everything is kind of mutable until it's not until everything kind of gets crystallized uh you know in the narrative and the true ending like i can see that being you know a benefit of its electronic format or what have you or the way it feeds the text and story to you but like you know i'm not going to go so far as to say it couldn't be done any other way however virtue's last reward not to keep beating this drum it kind of can't be anything else it's interesting because you said that once the text is gone it's gone for good Mm -hmm. that could be an explanation as to why the writing in that game is so shit yep like why it's so repetitive is because they didn't have the confidence for you to remember things yep so they had to constantly be parading things in front of you. Like I knew they didn't have the confidence, but I was kind of gobsmacked why. And that could be that could be why. And like my understanding, talking to you and talking to other people, is that's not just part of visual novels. Mm-hmm. Like other visual novels do trust you more to have memory longer than a fish. But then there's also like you know Hotel Dusk, which quizzes you, like Deadly Premonition. That does. That, that is so bad. Like yep. if if that is an element of this of this medium or this mm-hmm. genre. That's like to me, and I'm again like I I have full faith and respect of your appreciation <laughs> of this genre. Like that is a that's a deal breaker to me. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of like it can't it has to be that repetitive because it can't because of what you're saying. Like what you're saying is a strength mm-hmm. that the that the words are gone at the end of the the sequence. Like you just can't like do that. Nope. I don't know, man. Like that is no. that is like they're, they're, bad. they're either gone or you construct it in such a way that you can't like <laughs> that that it doesn't matter that they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it just has to be impossible to forget. And like you can do like games do that. You have a journal or something like that that summarizes it. Like there could just be a button that summarizes what's happened. Mm-hmm. Like the story so far, it's a paragraph. Yep. You know, and tells you the important shit. Like there's just so many better ways to do it than just like being painlessly repetitive or fucking quizzing you. Mm-hmm. Like that is beyond the pale. I don't. I don't know, man. Like that just. Did 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 the quizzes bother you in Deadly Premonition? Um, the Deadly Premonition, I was really like (laughs) didn't have a a, any like a grip on that game. Like I didn't really figure it out that there wasn't like a point of reference for me until pretty late Mm -hmm. in that game. So they didn't bother me because it didn't it didn't feel the same way. Yeah, like it just felt like goofy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because it didn't trust me to not know this stuff. Yeah. And it, it's not nearly as wordy. And the words that are there are entertaining. <laughs> like Deadly Premonition is really fun. The writing yeah. in Deadly Premonition is really good. Yeah. You know, so like it's a joy to have that stuff in front of me. It's not mm-hmm. a slog. Yeah. And I'm not trying to get like catch you in a like, ha ha, hypocrisy. I'm just I'm just wondering because I literally can't remember. Like, I, yeah. re- I remember not being bothered by it in Deadly Premonition. I also remember not being bothered by it in Hotel Dusk. Yeah. It just I and and I've never played Hotel Dusk. Yeah. Like it is the one game out of the the groups that the games that we looked at that I haven't played at all. Yeah. So like I don't know if it would bother me. It just sounds bad. Yeah. Like it just it sounds like again, it just I can't help looking at it from a novel perspective mm-hmm. as opposed to this weird hybrid thing. And in a novel, I feel like you have to trust your reader more than that. Yeah. 
Anywho. Mm-hmm. So uh, finally, for their last uh, response here, Bob Mackey from the Retronauts podcast. Hey, Bob. Writes hey, in Bob. via contact to say, the semi-strange thing is that I agreed with both perspectives on the game. Uh, both of ours, but I still have fond memories of it. Uh, maybe this indicates that I'm uh, <laughs> I'm a nightmarishly rational person. Uh, whatever the case, I went into 999 absolutely blind, and I don't think my experience would have been as surprising if the time loop hook was evident from the beginning. If I remember correctly, VLR shows players the story map pretty early on, uh, which kind of ruins the twist for newcomers. Still, I agree with Gary uh, that the replays could have been made more efficient. Having to repeat puzzle sections felt downright offensive at times. Ultimately, I think I admire 999 for the mechanics of the story rather than the specifics, if that makes any sense. The Back to the Future trilogy is one of my favorites for this reason. The plot moves with clockwork efficiency, uh, even if you have uh, have to subscribe to the screenwriter's rules of time travel. Even so, uh, Marty McFly is one of the most underdeveloped protagonists I've ever seen, to the point where uh, they wait until the second movie to give him some hint of a personality. Um, and when there's, uh, and then there's the dubious morality of the series, uh, with what, uh, with how Marty plays God, steals rock and roll from black people, um, and then returns to the present to find a new car waiting in his driveway. Still, these major problems are easy to forget thanks to how well the mechanics of the narrative work. Yeah, I like Back to the Future. I can, I see what I see what you mean. Yep, Bob. Like it is, it is easy to ignore some of the the trees for the forest when the forest is like a beautifully laid out grid mm-hmm. like that. Like I get that. I think that the difference, the reason why that didn't work for me for 999 was the amount of time mm-hmm. I spent on it. And that like, you know, I could appreciate the the mechanics of the plot of 999. Like there were things I thought were really cool. The reveal, the whole bit with the, um, you know, the dual screens at the end. I did like those, mm-hmm. those strongest bits. It was just what you paid to get there. Yeah. And like getting to those things, like sitting through Marty McFly being a not very well-developed character just takes less time and energy than sitting through 999 did. And I think even during the episode, I, you know, called 999 like this crazy, delicate, intricate machine. You know, like that is something I can respect. But you, Gary, you know, laid this out pretty well in saying that it is well plotted and not very well written in a game in a way that games genuinely aren't. Usually it's the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. And then it just it just turns out and, and it really comes down to that, like what's important for you, like this, this kind of out, you know, upswelling of support for 999, like people just have different kind of peeves in games. Like there are certain things that you can like or not like. Like mm-hmm. it's when I, you know, I will roll my eyes a little bit or uh, wag my finger at people who can't play their early Fallout games. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like the UI is not that hard to get around and they're really fantastic games. Um, but for some people, they just can't do that. Like you need to have an objective marker. Like you have to have direct control of your character. You can't do this like overhead removed thing, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I will kind of wag my finger at that, but in a way, I guess, you know, I got me maybe it's not the same because I don't consider that to be a, an actual net loss, but it is like, it's important to you to have those things just like yeah, kind of snappy pace and, and good dialogue and character are important to me, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, just for the purposes of simplifying the model of the show, I fall on the other side of that. <laughs> yeah yeah you know like i'm more bothered by the by by the uh kind of lack of niceties that fallout has even though i can look past that and see what's cool about it 
and yeah. get to the things that I care about and also recognizing that Fallout is basically a novel anyway. Yeah, that was, and that's and there are examples like we talked about this already. There are counter examples where it's like I can get through it, mm-hmm. you know, like Silent Hill 2, which is like mechanically no great shakes. But I really love that game because I got through the you know never ending series of locked doors <laughs> and stuff in order to get to the really cool shit. Yeah. And I think that game's like a masterpiece. Like, I think it's really, really good. Yeah. You know, so like there are times where the the prize is worth it for me. Yeah. And this just wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't one of them. Um, yeah. Which is which is a OK. Yep, it's all okay for everyone to like the games that they like. Uh, so <laughs> we live in a morass of subjectivity. It is just a slurry. It is quicksand. Nothing matters. Everything is chaos. Yes. <laughs> um, so we've been recording for a long time. We'll cut this a little bit short. Um, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash DuckFeed.tv. Mm-hmm. If you have things to say about Paper Mario, hit us up at DuckFeed.tv forward slash contact. Yep. Or and, Doom uh, 2 or King of Dragon Pass. Yeah. Yep, yep. And uh, and and blog it and or Twitter it and or do all those things. We really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much for listening. Absolutely. <laughs>